I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to ETFs for Beginners, where we'll be breaking down the barriers to investing in exchange-traded funds, more commonly known as ETFs. I'm Phil Muscatello and I'm joined by my co-host, Anna Christina. How are you today, Anna? I'm great, Phil. How are you? Really good. We're very excited today. We have an expert in the field of ETFs. We have Kanish Chuk from ETF Securities. And uh, he's a self-proclaimed champion of specialist ETF solutions. So I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. No, thanks for having me, guys. Kanish, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your role and how you actually kind of got into this space. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, getting into the ETF space now, it's probably become a lot easier for a lot of people. The ETF market in Australia has definitely grown in the past five, six years. But, you know, from when I finished university, sort of nearly over a decade ago, 15 years ago now, it was a bit of a journey just to get to funds management. So I finished university and the GFC had just hit and very hard to get a job in finance or in investment management. After a couple of years of working through financial media, you know, being at the AFR, for example, I was able to get a job at BlackRock. And for those that aren't aware, BlackRock's actually the largest fund manager in the world. I don't know what the funds under management is. I know it's sort of in the trillions at the moment, but they obviously have here in Australia, they had just started out a presence in the ETF landscape with iShares. They had their funds management, their traditional funds management products. And that's where I sat within BlackRock. And, you know, after a number of years of working with BlackRock, Fidelity as well, and Fidelity, again, is a very well-known global fund manager, especially in the active space. I made the switch into the ETF world about seven years ago. So joined the ETF securities team and, you know, was very, was very interested at that point because ETFs seven years ago or six years ago was... It was only just starting to pick up in Australia. And so we've been on this journey now and sort of growing, increasing awareness across investors around what is an ETF, how do they use it in a portfolio, and also growing the ETF market as well in Australia. So when did you first become aware of ETFs? Because I think a lot of people in those earlier days would have been just looking at single stocks Mm. and ETFs were really under the radar. When did you personally become aware of them? So I personally became aware of ETFs probably in sort of the 2008, 2009 through one of my jobs in financial media. So it was through that space. So in the Australian context, if you think about it, ETFs have been around now up to 20 years. You know, the first ETF was launched in Australia in 2001. And, you know, ETF securities were the second oldest provider actually in the market behind State Street. The Spider ETFs as were the first launched in Australia. ETF securities were the second provider in Australia. In 2003, we launched the world's first physical gold product, and that's G-O-L-D. It's still tracking in the market here. But that's where I got to know it. And if you think about it, unless you were in the industry, whether it's in financial media, you were in funds management advice. Or, or an advisor, yep. you may not have known what an ETF was. And even I would say when joining BlackRock, you know, the ISHA's team at the time were running ETF educations, ETF 101s and ETF 102s for the advisor community. And that was still very early stages of advisors even understanding. They're sort of still getting their heads around what an ETF was. 
obviously they've developed that knowledge and that messaging is now very different, but at that time it was still very early as well. On that note, in your own words, how would you actually describe an ETF? Because we're talking a little bit like what an ETF was or what it is now. How would you define an ETF? Yeah, so the way I would define an ETF would be it's an acronym. And in the financial world, we love acronyms, you know, whether it's, you know, IPOs, whether it's, you know, ETFs, and that scares a lot of people. But the acronym stands for something. And the ETF acronym is Exchange Traded Funds. Now, for me, the easiest way to explain to someone that doesn't know much about investing, and I've had to explain it to my parents, for example, or, you know, to friends to say exactly what I do, I sort of say, well, if an ETF stands for exchange traded funds, flip those words in reverse. It's simply a fund that is traded on exchange. So if they're familiar with a managed fund, then it's a very easy step for them to understand, well, it's exactly the same structure in terms of an investment scheme. It's a managed investment scheme, the ETFs that are listed here on, in Australia, but it's simply a fund that is traded on exchange. So the only differences there is that they can invest in this fund as they would a normal share. So they buy a Commonwealth Bank share, a Telstra share, a Fortescue, a Woodside, whatever it may be that they buy in terms of a stock they can do the exact same investment buying and selling of an ETF. And the reason why we're seeing probably more proliferation of ETFs, more popularity on ETFs is because of that aspect. People have lower minimums that they can go into. They can access it a lot easier. A traditional managed fund has very high hurdles of access and an ETF has sort of broken down those hurdles. Yeah, I love the explanation around that because um, those hurdles are quite different. And for ETFs, it's quite easy to kind of get into them. And you talked a little bit about the benefits. Do you want to just kind of elaborate a, a little bit more on the benefits of ETFs as well? Yeah, with the benefits of ETFs, it comes back to a number of different points. So the ETF market, just put it into context, it's still relatively young. So globally, the first ETF was listed in the early 90s. And the first ETF was actually in Canada, but everyone looks at the US as the market of ETFs, and that's where we've seen this big growth around ETFs. Here in Australia, as I said, we've just sort of ticked over our 20-year anniversary of the ETF market. And why is that? So one is an ETF traditionally is a passive investment. So again, breaking down that method meaning, what does passive mean? Passive mean that it tracks a benchmark. So an index, an equity benchmark, so it could be a basket of stocks, it could be for fixed income, it could be a basket of bonds. For commodities, it could be a metal, so like physical gold, for example. And then you can go down the line in terms of the different types, you know, in Canada, now you have crypto ETFs, for example, but it's passive. So it tracks an underlying benchmark. So there's transparency there. So the ETF is not trying to be a stock picker. It is not trying to say, we believe that you know you should buy Commonwealth Bank over ANZ. We simply license an index from a index manager and we track that index implicitly. We don't decide what to do in between the rebalance dates of that index. So it's passive completely. So I think the key benefit there is that transparency. So an investor can actually understand, well, what am I buying? I'm buying this rules-based index and this is the portfolio of stocks that I buy. So there's transparency. Because there's transparency and because we're not employing highly paid, you know, portfolio managers, individuals that have to ride and die by their investment decisions, we can offer these funds at a very low cost. 
you know, if I looked at the ETF market now, you can buy the entire Australian, you know, the top 200 companies from Australia for as little as 0.07%. And that's very low. And that's per annum fee. You can buy the entire S&P 500 index for I think it's 0.04 or 0.05%. It's still very low. So the cost aspect is there. And when I looked at the cost of the passive ETFs that are in the market, you generally look at it and say, well, how are they comparing to active funds? So the active fund managers such as Fidelity, Magellan, Perpetual, you know, MFS Global, et cetera, very well-known fund managers, the cost is significantly cheaper. And with Magellan, for example, and, and you look at it and say, well, an investor potentially now has a choice to go down the path and comparing is there a benefit of choosing a active fund manager and going with them because they believe that they will outperform the market? How has that outperformance occurred? Do they go down the path of looking at an ETF, which potentially tracks an index and therefore at a lower cost? So there's a transparency, there's cost. And I think the last part is access and choice. So with the ETF world globally, and we're seeing it now in Australia, is Traditionally, when you talked about passive investing, so passive investing is not old. You know, Vanguard started this, you know, would be what in the, in the 1950s, I believe, in terms of index funds. But traditionally, index funds were simply tracking the market. So the S&P 500, the ASX 200, that's what I mean when I say market. And what you now have is though indexes that are not just tracking the market. They can go country specific. They can be broad. They can go you know, the entire Europe, ex-UK, they can look at thematics, they can look at sectors. You know, we've got a FANG ETF and the FANG ETF is 10 stocks equally weighted. It's got the FANG stocks of Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Tesla, NVIDIA. That's not a traditional index. It's not a traditional market tracker that, you know, you don't open up the news at night and see the finance section and go, they're not tracking the FANG index, but it is an index and we can have an ETF wrapped around it. And so now an investor can look at it and go, hold on, I can actually take that FANG ETF and that's essentially a global concentrated growth fund. How does that compare to other global concentrated growth funds? This one's 0.35% per annum management fee. Some others that are active are more than 1% and make that decision on their point. And so ETFs are now opening up a lot more choice. And then you have the different asset classes. And you know that's how ETF security started, offering physical gold. Previously, for an investor, how would they buy physical gold? They'd go to a vault, they'd buy, they'd pay a lot of premium, they'd go to a jewelry shop. You know, Again, they're paying really high spreads. And now we're saying, well, in one unit, one trade, you can have access to the spot price of gold. Also, it's backed by physical gold. And I was checking today, we've got nearly over $2 billion worth of gold sitting in our GLD fund at the moment here in Australia. So it's the largest gold fund. I love the fact too that it's actually backed up by physical gold sitting in vaults in London. Yeah, it's 26 tonnes, wow. roughly, I think. 26 <laughs> or 27 tonnes of gold that backs that fund at the moment. And mm. so for an investor, that's as physical, as secure as you can get without actually having to hold and invest and vault and insure an actual gold bar, which some people may want to do, and that's their prerogative, but it's providing choice for investors. Mm. So for someone who's first starting out investing in ETFs, where's the best place to start? Is it like um, an ASX 200 ETF is just a very basic thing to you know, wet your feet really? Yeah, I, I would say definitely it's probably looking at more of the broader exposures because it really depends on the investor actually, to be fair. So if an investor has no investing experience 
and they're simply wanting to get exposure to the markets, then you would say going at a very broad level, taking some exposure to markets would be the safest bet to do. But if they're an investor that already has some direct shares, and so they've got some experience in investing in stocks, and you would then look at it and say, well, what else is on offer? I think with ETFs, predominantly, the ETFs that are on the market are long-term buy and hold strategies. You know, And that's what we want to really tell investors is, yes, in our portfolio of funds, we have some trading tool ETFs, you know, leveraged long NASDAQ or leveraged short NASDAQ. So you're essentially taking bets on a view on where the NASDAQ is going to move. But overall, majority of our ETFs that we have are long buy and hold strategies. And that's how you see them. We want people to look at them as building blocks within a portfolio. And to your point, if they're early investors, where do I start? I think you need to understand what an ETF is. You need to understand that this is giving you exposure to an underlying basket of equities, bonds, commodities, whatever it is. And how does that fit into my wider portfolio? So working out your risk profile. And I think now there's over 220, 230, if not more actually, ETFs on the market, both passive and active now in Australia. And so there's a lot of choice. Sometimes I can scare people away. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of good resources, you know, whether it's from brokerage platforms, whether it's from the ETF providers themselves, and also other media providers and sort of media partners as well. There's a lot of information out there. Yep. And I think it's really important that people educate themselves. Really, you know, I think sometimes ETFs are seen as like, okay, you buy them, you sit and forget them, which is a great strategy for a passive index style ETF. However, it's important, I think, for newer investors to actually start educating themselves and look into them, you know, get under the hood and see what they're comprised of. Yeah. And I think that's where we talked about transparency. So I can speak for our funds at ETF Securities. If you were to go to our website, etfsecurities.com.au, you went to the products and you actually clicked on any of the products. You not only find out what the index is, you can see the full holding. So on the equity funds, you can actually see the entire underlying portfolio that's updated daily. So there's no secret source in that respect. We're not trying to hide anything. So people can actually see what am I investing in? They can go in and see the underlying index and they can identify what the methodology is. So they can understand, okay, what is the methodology of that index? So if you really want to take a deeper dive, really understand how is this index being created? You know, I give this example, which is, you know, we've got a lot of thematic ETFs and the thematic ETF could be sort of the ETFS hydrogen ETF. Now, okay. Does that portfolio truly represent the hydrogen economy and the hydrogen thematic? The investor needs to be aware of what they're looking at. And I think that's the key point there is there is information there from the providers. There is information there from the index managers. Also, just pick up the phone, you know, send an email. The way we see ETF securities from our point of view, we're ETF consultants. We want to educate the market around the ETF world. We want to make sure that we show them that this is what an ETF can do. This is how it can benefit you and, you know, take them along that journey. And if they decide what they want to do in investing, it's on them to make that choice. And there's a lot of options there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I love that you talked a little bit about thematics, and I was wondering if you could actually just define that as well for people who might not understand what that means. Yeah, with the thematic, I think it's become a lot more written about in the past 12 months. Thematic ETFs in Australia anyway have been around for nearly four to five years. You know, we were one of the issuers that were launching a number of thematics nearly four or five years ago with our Robo ETF, which looks at the megatrend of robotics, automation and artificial intelligence or ACDC, which is our battery technology thematic. What is a thematic though? And what is a megatrend and why do investors now looking at it? So again, it's all about evolution of investing. So if we think about what I was talking about, index investing or passive investing, traditionally that was very much just looking at broad market exposures. As ETFs came on board in the 90s and 2000s, you started to see passive investing involved. And it evolved into, well, I can now take countries, I can take regions, I can look at commodities, physical or, you know, baskets or, you know, mining stocks. I can look at sectors, you know, financials, resources, banks, etc. But then it goes beyond that because now people want to take a view on a thematic and a megatrend. But how would they do that? And again, there wasn't options. So yes, an investor could turn around and say, I want to look at battery technology. They'll have to go and research which stocks really aligns with that megatrend. Take a view on one stock. What a thematic ETF does is they sort of package all of that theme into a basket of stocks. And I think that's what we've seen a lot more understanding of now and a lot more acknowledgement and usage of within portfolios. And what's been really interesting has been we're not seeing it just at that self-directed retail investor that is just managing their own portfolio. We're actually seeing it at the advisor level and at the institutional level, where they're now adopting thematic ETFs in the way in which they were adopting sector ETFs in the early 2000s. So for an investor in the early 2000s at that investment professional level, they were turning around and saying, well, I now can build a portfolio with taking views on sectors. So I have my core allocation of certain markets, you know, countries, broad markets. I then have satellite exposures, which are minor equity holdings or minor portfolio allocations to certain sectors because I want to go overweight financials. Now I'm looking at thematics because also the other thing with thematics is if it's representing a megatrend, you sometimes may say, well, I really want to invest in battery technology. There is no sector classification for battery technology. You would either, as I said, you'd have to go, do I buy automobiles as a sector? Well, that doesn't really give you battery technology exposure. So the thematic gives you a purer play on that. And what investors are now doing is I have sort of four or five rules around thematic investing, and I don't want to bore people on this, but it's basically, you know, align your thematic investment via your views and values. Be aware that thematic investing generally represents high growth strategies. So there is inherent volatility attached to that. And therefore, it's suitable for certain investors that have that high risk appetite and it's long term as well. In Australia, we don't have fat ETFs. We don't have very short term thematic ETFs at the moment. You know, all a lot of the thematic ETFs, not only from us, but from other providers are representative of a megatrend. And a megatrend is something that is long term, multi-decade, has government support. So I think those are some of the key points that people need to take away. So I find the robotics ETF particularly interesting because there's some unexpected companies in there like John Deere, who you'd only expect to be a tractor company, uh, world leaders in robotics. Robo is a really interesting ETF. That's our first thematic ETF that we launched over four years ago now. As an ETF, what does it represent? It gives you exposure to the megatrend of robotics, automation, artificial intelligence. 
But how do you define that? As I said, it's very hard. So with the thematic ETFs, they're generally sector agnostic and they're country agnostic. So they need to go just broad. They need to look at every sector, every country. So within that thematic, we looked at the portfolio and still in the portfolio is companies like John Deere, which you know we've spoken about before, but John Deere, it's a tractor company. But a lot of the technology that John Deere is using within its tractors is you know, artificial intelligence and autonomous driving. Now they're taking that, by the way, from other industries and they're actually applying it to the tractor industry. But you now have you know, tractors that have this artificial intelligence software and technology built, you know, they can go over a crop, measure the water density in the crop and work out how much water a particular plant needs to receive versus another one or different areas of the crop. That's where you're going towards. But again, if I was to look at you know, the thematic of robo, it would be very hard for me to work out how do I identify those? And that's really important. You know, some other example there is iRobot. So again, we sometimes think automation, artificial intelligence and robotics, we think warehouses. And we think, you know, Amazon factories and the big robots that do all our sort of fulfillment centers. But iRobot is the robotic vacuum cleaners. And that is a great business. And they're sort of leaders in autonomous and artificial intelligence vacuum cleaners. <laughs> so, it's happening already and we're seeing that. You know, you've got companies like Ocado. Ocado is a UK-based company. They actually run here in Australia, Coles, their fulfillment centers. So if you see this big swathe of online shopping or online grocery shopping, it's going to be a company like Ocado that is integral in servicing that demand. Coles, yes, will benefit of it. But what about, you know, the other inputs into it? So they're sorts of the companies that are part of that that ETF, the Robo ETF, and then you've got the medical side, intuitive surgical, you know, I've said this before, and I think anyone that wants to go onto YouTube, type in Da Vinci machine, intuitive surgical and grape, and put that in the search box, hit enter, you'll see this video of the Da Vinci machine, which is intuitive surgical main product. And it's basically, you know, I believe it's close to a few million dollars per machine and most major developed market hospitals have this machine, but it can peel a grape, stitch it up again, all through someone operating that machine from the other room or the other side of the world. Wow. <laughs> That's so impressive. And the part that I find so fascinating when you've talked about how these companies make up these specific ETFs, how how do you choose them? Like, how do they get chosen to be a part of that ETF? Like, what's that process look like? So as an ETF, because we track an index, that really sits on the, the index manager. As an ETF provider, when we're launching thematic ETFs, and I know this firsthand having just launched three new thematic ETFs in the market in semiconductors, fintech and blockchain and hydrogen, we are very particular and do a lot of due diligence on that index selection process. So we talk to a lot of index managers and truly try to understand their rules that go into developing that index. So for Robo, it's working with a company called Robo Global. Now, Robo Global are the leaders of index management specific to this theme. This is all they do. You know, mm. they're very specialized. And so they are very unique and they have a CIO research team. Essentially, what you would assume to be an active fund manager, they have a portfolio management and analyst and research team. They have also strategic advisors. So they're analyzing companies at that research level. And then they have a strategic advisory team, which they call the dream team of this megatrend. And these are people like Raffaella D'Andrea. Now, Raf is the founder of Kiva Systems. It's a company that was sold to Amazon and is now called Amazon Robotics. 
So he basically created Amazon Robotics. You have Dr. Henry Christensen. I think he's at university in San Diego. He heads up the robotics department. Dr. Daniela Rus, she heads up MIT's robotics center. So you have these strategic experts that help guide Robo Global's research team in identifying which companies. And, you know, we talk about the underlying thematics. So say 3D printing. People would say 3D printing, it's part of this megatrend. But to me as a novice, I might go, okay, is it Hewlett Packard? Is that the 3D printing I'm talking about? And the Robo Global team with the strategic advisory guiding them has said, no, it's commercial 3D printing. That is what we need to look at. And that's how they've identified certain stocks, which have been some of the strongest contributors to performance for the Robo ETF. But it really comes down to the index and understanding the rules and the methodology and being really particular about that. A really quick example there would be when we were looking at our fintech and blockchain ETF that we just launched, FTech. We had a number of index managers we spoke to. Some of the original like proposed indexes that we saw, we weren't very happy with. You know, one of them had Apple, Facebook and Google, and they were the top holdings. And we were looking at it and going, well, how does this make sense? It makes sense because they're loosely associated to the thematic of fintech. But if you really wanted to get down, you have to apply certain rules around that. So that ETF has revenue screening. So there are nine sub-themes on fintech and blockchain. Each theme, each company that's associated to that theme has to have 50% or more revenue associated to a sub-theme. So these are the sorts of ways in which you really get a pure play. So for an investor, I think when you're talking about thematic ETFs, a really good game to play is don't look at what the name is, open up the portfolio. Can you pick the theme based on the portfolio? Mm. If you can't, then maybe you need to do a bit more research. But if you basically look and go, that's just a, a technology play, that's just a global growth, a mega cap global growth fund. Well, that's not a thematic then. You know, if you looked at our ACDC ETF, it'd be very easy to work out. That's battery technology and, and electric vehicles and lithium. That's how it can work. So, yeah, just a bit of a trick there. A game you can play on Saturday night over beers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. For those that are really interested in ETFs, yeah. Yeah. I just had a question that I know gets asked all the time. ETFs, are they always index funds? So, yes and no. And I say that because the traditional term of an ETF is in Australia as a passive, yes, they're all index funds or index benchmark trackers. Like our gold ETF tracks physical gold. We've got a silver ETF. That's still an ETF as well. It's still passive. But here in Australia, we have now what's called active ETFs or exchange traded managed funds. And they're essentially traditional managed funds that are active. So, you know, we have that active management overlay in them and they have been put into an exchange traded vehicle. So I know that ETF Securities has a partnership with Perler. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so with Perler, and we do work alongside, you know, a number of other different platforms as well. You know, for us, it's really trying to drive education and awareness on ETFs. And as I said at the start, you know, that's really important. So, you know, we just want to essentially, you know, provide everything possible for the investor to make the best decision. And, you know, working with platforms like Perla allows us to do that, especially when we're looking at some of our ETFs and we want people to see them as being, you know, they are long term holdings, they're buy and hold strategies, but they need to first understand what an ETF is, how do I use it? And then they can make that decision from there on in. And I think that sort of working with people like, um, you know, platforms like Perla helps us to sort of spread that message around. 
No, I love that because I know it's a free brokerage, right? Like it's a zero brokerage if they hold for over 12 months. And it just really promotes that long-term investing, which is kind of, I think anyone who's new to investing is thinking about what's the long-term goal. And if ETFs are supposed to be held for a longer period of time, as we've talked about, as you've just said, having a partnership of that where people hold for at least 12 months really promotes the long-term investing overall. So I love hearing partnerships about that, that align with values. Yeah, and that's, I think, important. And, you know, investors need to make that decision. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we have seen, especially in the past 18 months, you know, markets have had significant declines, significant rallies, and people are sort of sometimes wanting that quick win. And, you know, we've done some analysis where if you simply stayed in the market and stayed invested and didn't react to big drops, big rallies, but just stayed in the market, you would be better off on certain investments than trying to time the market. People often ask, I need to time the market. And I think sometimes that's not a great strategy because, you know, it's very hard to time the market. You know, sometimes in this instance, especially currently in the past 18 to 24 months, you would not know when is, you know, we've had some really high bouts of volatility in the market. So what I would say is, being invested for the long term allows you to sort of smooth out that volatility. And if you looked at your portfolio after 10 years versus after one month, it is very different. Yeah. Time in the market, not timing the market, right? That's it. (laughs) Great. And if someone wants to learn a little bit more about investing or ETFs, do you have any suggestions on the best place that people can learn more? Well, look, I should probably talk our own website a little bit um, in terms of etfsecurities.com.au. We have a lot of information on there. You know, we are looking to build out our education section even more. What I think we also do have is some very good product agnostic content. So I think that's it. That's important. You know, we did a six part series on what is an ETF? How do you look at diversified ETFs? How do you trade ETFs? So we've got some really useful content on our website, but we also produce two documents, which if you're interested in ETFs, it's worthwhile looking at. They are our ETF weekly monitor. And essentially that's sent out every Tuesday and it shows you a snapshot of the previous week in the ETF market in Australia. So it looks at the best performers, the worst performers, the funds that got the most flows, the funds that had the most trading in them, you know, the top 10. Uh, so that's a really interesting tool. It looks at over different, you know, one week, year to date and 12 months in terms of the time periods. And we also produce an ETF landscape booklet. Now, this booklet is now semi-annual. So every sort of released every February and released every July, this booklet profiles every ETF in the market. Now, that's over 220 ETFs. We don't you know, discriminate on providers. We want to include every provider in there. We want to include every fund in there. It's a soft copy. You can download it via our website and register to receive that. But that is a tool which we started four or five years ago because we were of that viewpoint when I talked about being an ETF consultant, wanting to educate investors about what is available. We felt investors, especially advisors, were getting sort of a bit starry-eyed when they looked at the ETF universe and go, I don't know what to do. There's over, you know, five or six passive providers. There's more in the active space. You know, educate yourself. Be aware of what's available because you might be surprised. Fantastic. Kanish, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was super informative. No, thanks for having me, Phil, Anna. 
If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend. It may help them and help us keep going with the show. Also, don't forget to rate us. ETFs for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not ETFs for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.